Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Embellished Podcast, a podcast focused on product stories, product storytellers, interesting brand ambassadors, and anything else that I happen to come up with. Whether you're a bourbon fan, a geek, a casual observer, or someone just floating through this channel, I hope you find it interesting. If you got it here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. Hopefully I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists. If you can't find me on a platform, you can send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com, and I'll try to get that taken care of. I also generally live stream the recording of these episodes on YouTube on Wednesday nights around 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can find all of my links on Instagram at EmbellishPod or Twitter with the same handle. I have a website. It is www.embellishpod.com. That's also a place to pick up these links, uh, account details, contact information, whatever else, um, episode details, and a whole lot more. Uh, Today is September the 14th. Um, Tonight we're going to be talking about recession pours. Uh, kind of teased that out in the description of the video. The intent of the discussion is um, uh, if you follow the 24-hour news cycle, uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of folks that are uh, proposing that we're on the cusp of another significant recession, and that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different collectors. So we want to walk through that. What does it mean? How do you... Kind of uh, make sure that you can keep your bourbon hobby up, but also uh, be respectful of the money you've got, and a whole host of other things. But before we get into that, we'll talk through a few things. It'll probably be a shorter episode tonight, because um, if you aren't aware, um, we're on the precipice of Kentucky Bourbon Festival. And um, I attended the Kentucky Bourbon Festival last year, um, had a super fun time. It was the first year that they had done it with the new structure in place. I actually did a review of, review video on it. I kind of talked about a few things that I thought were great and a few things that I thought could use some improvement. So the interest is to go back this year and see if some of those improvements were made. And a couple of things that have already changed, um, and I don't know how it'll be for everyone else, but they shifted to a different type of wristband this year. And I talked about this last year, and I think if I were to dig over here in the corner, I might be able to um, pull out my wristband from last year. Uh, One of the big complaints that I had specifically was around how they handled their ticketing. They had a bunch of uh, bands like this that would have a little thing that would hang on it um, that would account for your drinks. Um, and basically you would, oh, I might even be able to dig that one out as well. You had one for entry, one for drinks. If those drinks looked like this. It would pop off a drink tab and they may fall off. You had to buy extras. It was a whole host of things. So there's already one step in the right direction, I think. Looks like we're buffering pretty hard. So let's see if we can kill some things that might be on the Wi-Fi. How many things can I get rid of that are consuming bandwidth? I don't know yet. Sorry about this. All right. So, um, a couple changes that they've made. Um, the ticket includes all of the tasting prices, a handful of other things. Uh, it, it'll it'll be a different vibe this year than it was last year, and they're continuing to try to increase their. Um, connection with the users or with the the attendees. I think that they've also made some modifications to how they're going to have people come in and out. Um, The number of people that are going to be allowed, obviously, we're in a different COVID stance than we were this time last year. Um, Be super fun. Going to have an opportunity to meet a handful of folks that I know from the internet. And everybody that is my age is like, oh, friends from the internet. It's everything we were always told not to do. You don't get in vans with strangers and you don't go meet people from the internet. But 
the world's a little different now. I'm an adult. And honestly, if somebody wants to try to kidnap me, they're, they're not really going to do themselves any um, significant favors. So um, let's go look at the stream health. Stream health is poor. Maybe I have too many things open. Let's, let's get rid of a couple of things. Um, beyond that, last weekend, I had an opportunity to attend the um, Afrofusion event. Um, had a super good time. Met with some met up with some friends. Had a fantastic meal. Had some fantastic cocktails and some fantastic whiskey. Um, it was a great event that was hosted between Jack Bigadoo, who is Hood Somalia on Instagram, and Heaven Hill. They partnered together to put together a, really a cultural exploration. And my wife attended with me. She's not an incredible whiskey fan uh, like many of us are. But even she had a really, really good time because we got to explore some some food. We got to explore some culture. We got to explore some drinks. I mean, just kind of uh, you know hang out with people, kind of build community, have have a good time, um, do do all those wonderful things that um, are sort of what whiskey is about, or at least in my mindset is the the community and the connections. It's not so much what you're drinking, but it's who you drink it with. Um, it's not how you drink it, but it's who you drink it with, you know, all of those things. We've talked about it before, um, on this particular podcast that we're not really worried about being precious with what we're drinking. Um, it's really being attentive to who we're drinking it with. And so had a good time. Um, there's going to be more of those types of events. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll probably see when those things, um, hit, they'll be in different parts of the country. Uh, if you get an opportunity, um, at least for the event we went to, you know, I think the ticket was a hundred dollars and we got a, I think four or five course meal. Um, we had a cocktail pairing with every, um, every opportunity and there was a goodie grab bag on the way out the door. It was just a fantastic event. Um, you know, when you, when you consider everything that you got totally worth it. Um, absolutely everyone should try to participate in it. And one of the interesting conversations that I had on the way home with my wife is what made that particular event inviting to her is that she's used to being in and around whiskey events where language is very, very exclusive. Um, how you talk about tasting, how you talk about um, what you drink, how you talk about just about anything is very very snobby, <laughs> you know, we, that's, that's a thing that, you know, we know happens, um, but it can feel exclusionary for people who are not, a, you know, huge whiskey snobs, for people who are not um, sort of a part of this already existing community, and this kind of stepped away from that, and so, you know, it, that's, a, that's another thing that I'm kind of <laughs> keep, keeping that in the back of my head now, is this uh, idea that even for those of us that aren't really trying to get too deeply into tasting notes and being those types of people, I just want to talk about, you know, products and brands and people that are doing things, we can still have a degree of exclusivity in what we're talking about, and that creates problems, and so we're going to have a more traditional episode tonight, like I was saying, um, we're going to talk through four bottles that I think that are kind of the um, utility belt of whiskey that you might want to keep on hand. Um, keep them around to be able to um, to be able to drink on, to be able to have during a time when um, the economy is slightly uncertain. And so uh, I don't know what order we're going to go in. We're probably not going to go in the order that I'm actually drinking them in. Um, so maybe the first one I want to talk about is in, in, in how did I go about selecting these? You know, because everybody's got a list. Lists are, you know, super popular to do. But what I tried to focus on are um, things that come from big distilleries. 
And that's kind of the antithesis of what I've been doing here over time is I've been trying to focus on some smaller brands that are doing more interesting things. But if we're talking about the potential for a recession, recessions generally end up with um, the small holders taking the brunt of the pain and potentially disappearing. And so um, if you're going into the recession, it's good to keep, you know, basically what I have on hand and then try to use any discretionary income that you have to support the smaller brands to keep them afloat. But odds are their pricing will be higher, and so you're going to have a hard time. And so these will be the staples, and then you supplement with smaller brands that are going to be more expensive. Then beyond that, I also look for, you know, kind of the idea of the bang for the buck. I tried to find most of the stuff under $25 retail um, or 30 Kind of hinges on what your market looks like, how you uh, shop, where you shop, all of those different things. And then what is the proof of it. And so I tried to target anything that was bonded in higher because at the end of the day, if I can spend money, if I can spend, you know, $25 on a bonded whiskey, as opposed to an 80 or 85 or 90 proof whiskey, I'm getting more technical alcohol. Um, I could prove it down myself. So I can add my own water later on that maybe I get for free out of my well or wherever else that you happen to get water from, but you can add water to it. You can't take it away, uh, at least not in a meaningful way. And so that's kind of how I went about picking these up likely the YouTube streaming version of this quality may be pretty bad. And if it is, we'll re-upload the video later on. This, Like I said, this will be a short one. This will be a much, much shorter um, episode. The kind of beginning, these are all four going to become from becoming from what we would consider heritage brands, brands that have been around for a long time. Um, some are, you know, kind of owned, privately family owned type things, and some are parts of large corporate conglomerates. And so we'll begin with one that I've talked about a number of times, and you can kind of tell where I live on this bottle um, as, as to its fill level. Evan Williams Bottle and Bond is one of the best um, low end priced pours that can exist, at least in my mindset. I'll never forget my boss called me, you know, a year or two ago and he was looking at the the concept of having to um, stock a bar for his daughter's wedding. And he says, you know, Hey, what whiskey do I, what, what's a good cheap whiskey that I need to buy? And so, you know, my immediate response when somebody asks something like that is always going to be, what do you mean by cheap? Is cheap going to be from zero to $15, 15 to 25, 25 to 35? Like what does it range? And so we were trying to look for something that was in that, um, sub $20 price range to have that he would feel comfortable for whiskey people that would want to drink it straight or maybe on ice. Um, but also you're not going to feel it in your pocketbook if you decide to mix this in with something else or make a cocktail out of it. Um, and so this is one of those that I pulled off, you know, like this is, this is when I first started getting into this, the first event that I ever joined was let's taste through something like this. Let's taste through something that is, um, approachable, inexpensive, available, um, and, and still maintains a degree of quality. And most of these, and you'll just kind of keep in mind, most of these, if you go to anybody's whiskey rating scale, they're going to rate in the middle of the pack or lower. And so if you're looking at a rating scale of, you know, zero to 10 or one to 10, um, we're going to be in that four, five, six range. Uh, if we're lucky, it might sneak up above that depending upon your own individual palate. But and I'm not even using my tasting notes. I'm stealing them. Um, if you can tell me where these tasting notes come from, maybe I'll send you some samples or whatever. 
Um, if you've got some that you think or disagree with or you think should be added to the list, um, put them in the comments. Send me an email. You know, do any of those you know social media connection things that I'm absolutely terrible with that you're supposed to do if you're having a podcast or YouTube channel or whatever it is that you're you've got going on. So, um, you know, it's roughly four plus years old, 100 proof, obviously because it's bonded. Um, it's not going to have a high rye content because it's going to have a ton of corn in it. Um, so it's going to be on the sweeter end. It's likely going to be thin, you know, if you were to be a whiskey snob. But if you're not a whiskey snob, it's going to be thin in a good way. Really sweet. Um, probably some cocoa powder, maybe some caramel. And then um, a, a kind of a really compact nose concept. It's absolutely going to have some degree of astringency for most people. Um, it's going to be a little bit hot. Then it's going to have a good amount of oak. And so this is one of those things that um, when you get into these inexpensive pours, you're less likely to find oak uh, floating around in this because they're going to be younger. Um, they're not going to spend as much time in the barrel. You know, basically, you know, based off of their price point, they just can't afford to. Um, it's a little bit bitter. So if you're a black coffee drinker, if you're a person who likes, you know, chocolate lattes that don't have a ton of sweetness to them, uh, maybe you're in in the right place for this. This is this is a fantastic opportunity for you to explore some inexpensive whiskey that um, if you don't have this on your shelf, go get it. I mean, if you if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you likely have a handful of bottles on your shelf already. It's not going to hurt you to go out and spend fifteen dollars more on one of these. You keep it around um, when you just can't decide what you want to pour. You want to you don't want to think about what you're drinking or you want to add it into a cocktail and you don't want to feel bad about it, you can go grab this off the shelf. All day, every day, this is kind of a very solid move. Um, but this one comes from Heaven Hill. This is a Heaven Hill product. Um, Heaven Hill is, I believe, fa still family-owned, um, but they're a large company. They don't have kind of the coverages that maybe Beam or Diageo or, or some of the other companies that are out there have, but... Not many people in the whiskey game are not going to know who either Evan Williams uh, or Heaven Hill or one of Heaven Hill's brands um, really are. Um, then kind of pivoting from that, so staying in the, in the main thread of being a major whiskey retailer or major whiskey brand, we're going to talk about Old Granddad. And Old Granddad is, is one of those bottles that um, I think is starting to get a lot more love than it historically has, but traditionally it's going to be seen as you know kind of a bottom shelf uh, staple that you're going to find in in some kind of campy movie um, talking about it and it's got a you know almost got a bottle design that kind of invites that in we're in the same place 100 proof it's you know bottled in bond it's going to be four ish years and we're looking at 20 bucks but this is one of the high rye mash bills from jim beam and i'll say um, kind of as I walk through those, maybe I should have said this with the with the Heaven Hill ones. Um, there, there's some other ones that were kind of runners up, and they all fit in the same vein where there's, you know, Jim Beam, Heaven Hill, um, and, and a couple of other companies that kind of run this out. And so, you know, Old Granddad Bottle and Bond is, you know, it, it's a nice bottle to keep around. It's something that um, you're going to have a good bronzy color to it. Um, it's going to have it's going to have some body. But um, it's obviously going to be um, rye forward. And so, you know, where the last one we had, we're going to have some cocoa and bitterness. This one's going to have all of those things that come 
not all of those things, but some of those things that come with rye. And then behind the, the age of it, we're going to pick up some bready yeasty notes, stone fruits, vanilla. Um, we're going to have, you know, herb, herbal notes, a lot of stuff. Haven't had this in a while. A lot of these are um, backup bottles that I bought from the original one that I had on my shelf, and I haven't pulled them back out again because I've been working through a ton of other things. So, um, stone fruits, spicy, vanilla. It's um, not got a significant finish historically, but it's absolutely it's absolutely what you're looking for in that twenty dollar price range. Jim Beam is Jim Beam. There's probably a ton of people that have had their own personal experiences over time with Jim Beam, um, whether it is good or bad. They've had, um, you know, some maybe some some college nights that are directly involved with um, Jim Beam specifically. And this quite this isn't quite that. This is a more mature version of maybe a, a Beam White Label, uh, something along that lines. A really good replacement for this, and maybe I should have had it ready to go if you if you didn't want to go the route of old granddad bonded um is going to be jim beam double oaked um that one's a, not necessarily as easy to find or pick up but um it's still another good one and it's going to pick up more oak because we're in that double oak range we're going to have some opportunity to pick up some more unique flavor profiles um because of the secondary barreling that, that occurs for it um and then the, the next one we're going to talk about, and this one, um, this bottle is unopened. And the reason the bottle is unopened is because I have the old style of the bottle on hand, and that's the one that is actually is open. And so I picked up one whenever they changed their bottle design. And I'll say, I've said this before, so Wild Turkey 101, um, we're out of the bonded category, but we're staying above bonded. Um, Non-age stated, you know, you can expect at this price range, none of these are going to be age stated. They're not going to have... Um, that sort of uh, provenance that's on the label, somewhere between 20 and 25 bucks, uh, 101 proof, uh, low rye content, but it's going to be, you know, creme brulee and sweet vanilla sugar. And like I said, these are not my tasting notes, but I trust the person who wrote them, um, have a fantastic palate, has the opportunity to be able to identify flavors that are um, accurate, correct. I don't really know what you would want to call it. That has to do with um, this particular uh, this particular bourbon. Uh, Wild Turkey 101 maybe get a bad rap because of the exact same thing that Jim Beam would get a bad rap from experiences during college, um, behaviors, whatever. But uh, realistically, now that we've all sort of grown up and, and changed the way that we consume alcohol and our relationship with it, um, this is going to be on the edge of being a great bourbon at that price. Um, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be, there, there are other wild turkey products out there that are lower proof. And if you've spent any time trying to, um, buy vintage whiskey, you know what the search for something like a dusty turkey is. It's, it's not an inexpensive, um, game to be a part of. And largely the, the people who are championing and running that brand have stayed the same for the last 30 plus years. Um, the Russell family has been incredibly involved in the, the longevity of the brand. 
and they're creating some really solid profiles. And so if we're thinking about ways that we want to be able to have shelves and so like, you know, have things on our shelf. And so when we get to the end of this, we've spent roughly $80 to have four really top shelf bourbons that are going to last us for a while. And they're going to stand up against cocktails, against neat pours, against ice pours, against a whole host of things. Um, and not break the bank on it. You know, we're spending on four bottles what many of us right now are spending on one um, craft type bottle. One bottle that uh, is, you know, more widely sought after. And at the end of the day, each one of these bottles holds uh, 750 milliliters of whiskey. And so we've got four times that, that product quantity for the value price. Um, Wild Turkey 101, like I said, it's, it, it is... It is a great one. And then I saved this last one, and I have a little bit more to say about it maybe than the rest of them. But, um, you know, we've, we've, we've done Heaven Hill. We've done Jim Beam. We've done Wild Turkey. Um, we have to talk about Buffalo Traces of Distillery. And so um, in this vein, I think the next budget pour that we want to talk about is going to be the benchmark bonded and we're staying in the bonded vein uh, because we're trying to keep our proof up but what i really like about benchmark specifically is number one we're starting off that this is mash bill number one from buffalo trace we don't know what that is but we do know what is made out of that particular mash bill as well and so mash bill one is going to represent your eh taylor's your eagle rares your george t stag your stag jr and then the old charter line and a couple of others they're on the shelf. These are all things that are widely sought after. And we're not talking about just Eagle Rare. We're talking about Eagle Rare and Eagle Rare um, 17 year, I think is what it is. I can't remember what the year is. doesn't really matter. Um, so it's an impressive mash bill to begin with. But this is a low-end, poor version of that um, that is, you know, somewhere around four years. Um and it's, and it's going to come in at, at 100 proof. One of the other things that is beneficial of um, beneficial of, of going the benchmark route is that benchmark did, um, I don't want to call it an experiment, a marketing ploy a uh, year or two ago um, where they started a what might be considered a vertical series. And... Um, Basically, the, the opportunity is you have the bonded, you have the top floor, you have the full proof, you have a single barrel. You have all these different expressions of the exact same mash bill. And they all stay fairly comfortably um, near that, that, that $20 to $30 price range. And so in the vein that we've been looking at these four bottles to create... Um, a, a pretty solid shelf to hold on to of, of whiskey that's going to have some you know really nice flavors to it. You also have the opportunity to build a vertical. And that's you know like that's whiskey nerd stuff. We want to be able to to build out a vertical. And if you look above this side right here, that's where these live, right? And so we have the the top floor, we have the the single barrel, we have the foolproof, and we have the standard offering as well where you can do your own comparison. You can see how these different experiments play out in the same mash bill that is roughly the same age. Um, it's going to have things that are going to be grapey and orchard flavors and apples and sauce and, and cinnamon, and there's some degree of licorice that's in here. But but for my particular um, palate, I, I lean in that, that apple-y, grapey range. Um, there's going to be caramel. There's going to be... 
um, some spice that exists. There's there's a lot of things to kind of build out, but it's a really inexpensive whiskey, and it's a really inexpensive experiment that you can also run by um, buying the rest of the series, right? And so that's the thing that you could potentially snatch up before the uh, before a recession fully sets in, and have. Um, an experiment. You can have a series of whiskeys that kind of all dance around the exact same mash bill, exact same process. Um, when they identify the barrels as benchmark, um, they're they're doing these experiments, and so you get to keep your kind of whiskey nerd chops up while doing it at an inexpensive price. And so, you know, that's that is the 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 fourth one of what I would put in here. So we have Wild Turkey 101, Old Granddad Bonded, Evan Williams Bottled and Bond, and then Benchmark Bonded. Yeah, these four whiskeys can make up a really solid shelf to keep around during um, you know economic downturns, you know whatever you want to call it. Um, but then there's this other host, and and there if you ask anybody, they're going to have a different list. And so my list doesn't really mean anything. You know, it's, it's what I might go after. It's what I've already gone after, but there's also going to be a ton of other write-ins. Um, I have the wonderful opportunity to be a part of a chat with a number of other, um, whiskey podcasters. And I kind of tossed this question out to him. Like, you know, if you had, you know, what, what, what are your $25 whiskey pours that you wouldn't want to have out there? And so we also pick up things like, like I said earlier, Jim Beam Double Oaked, Standard Buffalo Trace, JTS Brown, JW Dant, uh, Early Times. These are all things that that whiskey nerds, the the folks of us that are just a little bit too um, into this, are going to hold those those particular brands and flavors a little bit higher. We're going to say these are things that you should um, keep on there, and even maybe um, very old very old Barton bonded. Um, you're kind of safe in that bonded realm. And so if you can find a bonded whiskey at sub $25, it's probably a good place to be. But we know, we feel comfortable in identifying that these four offerings come from four distinct distilleries that have a likelihood of being able to survive through a significant recession and or depression and still exist on the other end, you know, and, and you, you still have the ability to pick these things up. Um, now, there'll be a ton of low-cost options that will continue to exist um, at the same time, but these should come out kind of head and shoulders above the rest. Now, the, the rest of us, you know, and, and, and what kind of spurned this on, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to talk to um, Aaron from Smoke Wagon, and he made the statement that he thinks that within the next three years, any whiskey over sixty dollars is going to have a hard time selling. And it got me to thinking, like, if that was the case, where um, if whiskeys over sixty dollars start having a hard time selling, what are the distilleries and the brands going to do? And um, it's going to be, you know, at least in my mindset, it's going to be revitalize around the base, make sure that the the standard shelf offerings are in available in abundance. And at a reasonable price structure that are going to continue to people to keep consuming because they're not going to put all of their eggs in a premium basket realistically and premium probably doesn't make a ton of money for them to begin with because the the volume that comes out of you know shelf staples is just so much that it's going to overcome it they don't have to have the overhead that exists for the, the premium brands. And so the other side of it, you know, if the recession hits and the rest, some of us still have a little bit of discretionary income, maybe we can start picking up some of those more allocated whiskeys and kind of nerd out about them. But um, these are places, these are the bottles that you can keep on your shelf during a recession, but you can also use them to kind of like, you know, elevate your whiskey nerddom. You'll have the, you know, you pick one of these and you, you, you go to a whiskey meetup and you take it and you kind of talk about the 
the the nature of it being a low cost pour, but it's still just a, a hitter. It's fantastic. It's all of these different things. Um, you can kind of build some notoriety around it as well. You can kind of fake uh, pump yourself up and, and do all those things. So, uh, like I said, tonight was going to be a significantly shorter episode than it has been historically. Um, mainly because interviews are so much easier to do than these just straight episodes. But um, we will be back next week. I, I've got. I mean, actually, I'll go look while while we're sitting here. You know, why not? You know, poor planning, poor preparation. Um, you know, all of those things. That old granddad bonded is just really good. It's just really, really good for. Um, the price is there without getting too wrapped up into what the flavor notes are for, for me. Cause you know, it doesn't mean anything coming from me. Um, it looks like the intent right now is I have, uh, an interview lined up next week with somebody. And so maybe that conversation will run a little longer. You'll get some long form content if that's what you're after. If it's not what you're after and you want one of these quick, quick rips, maybe this will kind of benefit you. Um, then I have at least two others that I intend to try to tackle in the coming weeks. Um, now I've got some travel coming up on, you know, kind of the personal front for family and whatnot, um, different events that we have to go to, but I was kind of looking back over this, uh, earlier today and I only started doing interviews in January. And at this point, um, we've completed almost 20 different interviews where people have absolutely agreed to come on and join this podcast. And it's been kind of uh, one of those things where I just didn't expect that degree of a response. Um, and, you know, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving forward. Um, you know, I send out emails at least once a week to random folks that um, probably hop over here and listen to the ridiculous ramblings of, of this guy in his uh, office and are like, nah, I don't want to be a part of it. But occasionally you get these people that just are like, absolutely, we want to participate. We want to be a part of whatever you're doing. We want to have this conversation. And then lastly, I did a live stream with the guys from Borrowed Page uh, a month ago now. And I've had an opportunity to try this whiskey. And I cannot wait to have them come back and we'll taste through it on an episode and they'll tell me what I'm supposed to be tasting because obviously they they know what they're talking about and I don't necessarily. Um, but man, this is a, this is a fantastic story, a fantastic whiskey. It's it's just unique, you know. And you see people get on social media and start talking about it, and you're like, ah, is it real? It absolutely is. Um, I don't have any real I don't have any real gain to come from saying that, but it's just super interesting, and there's not that many bottles out there. So if you have an opportunity, go out and snag one up sometime in the next month. Hopefully we'll have them back, if, if not for more than 20 minutes, uh, just to kind of go through the bottle and taste about it. And then we have some other things that we want to talk about as well. Um, maybe we'll talk about some pop culture stuff. We'll talk about Marvel or Back to the Future or whatever happens to come uh, because I have a lot of things on – I have a lot of thoughts on both of those things. Um, but it's just hard to sit here and talk about how you feel about the new She-Hulk episodes when you're by yourself. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird thing, right? So thank you for um, hanging out. For anybody who is here, Dramhound, I, I see that you are here. I hope you are still, and if you're not, I completely understand because um, I don't know what your Wednesday was like, but I know what mine was like, and it was 
it was an event. I had a lot of a lot of interesting conversations and things that happened today. But thanks for tuning in for this offering from um, the Embellish Podcast. I can't I can't say it too many. I can't say it enough times. Uh, the support that I have is far above what I ever expected to have, um, and, and and people's willingness to participate in these conversations is just super encouraging. And if you enjoy what we've got going on here, please leave me a review on whatever platform. Um, if you're on podcasts, um, if you're on YouTube, hit a thumbs up, hit a like, you know, subscribe, leave a comment, whatever it is, you know, whatever the thing is on whatever platform you're on interact with it. Um, there's a ton of people out there and I've, I've, I've made some posts about this on social media that are, um, buying their followers and they're, um, buying their downloads. And that's an opportunity that anybody can do that is I'm not saying that this is necessarily a good or bad thing, just how they choose to operate. But, uh, I don't, I don't have any intent to do that. This is just a fun side hobby for me. Um, but if you enjoy this, just let me know, you know, and, and, and if you have some ideas, some thoughts, let me know. Like, I, if you want, want it to change, let me know. I'm, I'm a pretty available person. So, um, you can also hit me up on social media anywhere, Twitter or Instagram using embellish pod and give me a follow to keep up with what's going on here. Um, you know, like I said, I've got a couple of interviews lined up, a couple more that are on the burner. Um, some, some really different things, at least for me. They may not be different for the rest of the podcasting or YouTube channel world, but they are different for me. Um, so you can keep up what we got going on. You can see what's coming next. You know, I've got some, we're going to talk about some crops. We're going to talk about some, um, different whiskeys. We're going to talk about, you know, seed varieties. We're going to talk about whatever we could talk about that sort of seems interesting. Um, you can also follow me at www.embellishpod.com. All of my links, accounts, contact details, all of that stuff is over there. I'll be back again next week with another new offering for you. So until then, cheers and thanks for hanging out.